Good morrow, sir, and welcome to the Receiveth Thy Film Fix podcast. I am Lee Carlo, Thane of Salem, joined by the Honorable Thane of Portland, Chapin Hemingway. <laughs> Alas, we are without Jeremy Fisk as his employer has that gent burning the midnight oil, but we carry on to discuss the film from director Joel Cohen, The Tragedy of Macbeth. How'd I do? That was very, very good. That's all I have for that's, the pot. So it. I didn't prepare anything else. Didn't watch the movie. Did just nope. just did a fairly, yeah, fairly I just average <laughs> um, English accents and. Uh, I typed my intro into a, a Shakespearean translator, and <laughs> and there we have it. Um, but yeah, we are here to talk about the tragedy of Macbeth. This is directed by Joel Cohen, stars Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Uh, Chapin, since it is just the two of us, it's always possible we wrap up our conversation on that film early. I'd like to hear a little bit about um, some of the other stuff we've been watching lately. Um, one in particular that you've seen, I know you saw Red Rocket. That's been getting a lot of buzz as of late, and I'm curious about your thoughts there. So hopefully we have time for that. By the pricking of my thumbs, something wicked this way comes. King that shall be. If we should fail. We fail. Didst thou not hear noise? Methought I heard a voice cry, sleep no more. And a bold one. That dare look upon that which might appall the devil. I have no words. My voice is in my sword. Chapin, um, I have a uh, I have an avenue to the tragedy of Macbeth with with my opening here, but I want you to bear with me. I want you to. Uh, this is going to be like kind of an, an exercise, okay? <laughs> and um, think of me like your therapist, and I am going to tell you something, and I want you to respond with how that makes you feel. It's interesting because okay. because I do have therapy after this, so this is perfect. Okay. Sort of like wetting the whistle. Good. Yep, exactly. So potentially in 2022, maybe 2023, we don't know for sure. David Fincher is directing a movie called The Killer, starring Michael Fassbender, based on a book that's being adapted by screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. Tell me how that makes you feel when you hear that sentence. <sighs> Well, um, orgasmic. Orgasmic is good. Yeah, that's the that's how you should feel. Okay? That's how I do feel. That, okay, good. That's the best news I've had all week. Yes, so that's incredible, right? We I, hear I, I that. I think they're shooting it. 
I think so too. I just there's no release date for it. it says 2022 some places, but there's no. I don't think there's any definitive information that says it will be available for us to watch in 2022. Which honestly, as long as that comes out before the world ends, I'm good. Anyway, the reason I bring that up is because we hear the that trilogy of names and that title. And it's impossible not to get excited. We love David Fincher. Obviously, we'll get excited about anything he does. But when he pairs up with Andrew Kevin Walker again in a movie called The Killer that just happens to also star Michael Fassbender, that's just a perfect recipe for success and a perfect recipe for stoking our anticipation. And I was thinking about kind of that in general with some of our favorite directors. And Paul Thomas Anderson came to mind. You know, he, when we started hearing about Licorice Pizza, before it even had a name, the untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie, we were hearing, you know, it's a period piece set in the valley. And I'm thinking, okay, return to return to his roots, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, movies that we love. And as much as I love movies like The Master and There Will Be Blood and Phantom Thread, you know, I was so excited to hear that PTA was going back to this type of movie. So now we've got the tragedy of Macbeth, which is directed by Joel Cohen, solely Joel Cohen, who until this point has always worked with his brother Ethan and has very often written the screenplays, but in this case did not. No, he did write he, it. He adapted he, it. Well, he adapted it, but it's not his his not his story, obviously. Right. Um and I'm wondering when that thing that I'm talking about with with Fincher or that thing I'm talking about with PTA sort of flipped on its head in a case like this, how you feel and how you're anticipating movies from our favorite directors when something like this happens. Long way to, long way to get to the point that's how did you feel when you found out Joel Cohen was directing the, uh, an adaptation of Macbeth by himself? Amazing. I mean, I felt like so excited. So I mean, really? I, I, okay. yes, as you know, um, I, I, Macbeth is close to my heart because I did, uh, we, I was in a production of it in high school, an abbreviated production of it in high school. Um, and so I know it pretty well. Um, I don't, I don't claim to be a Shakespeare excerpt by any means. I've never been one to like read the scripts unless I'm like in a Shakespeare play. Um, and I, you know, I've studied it just a little bit and hi Lydia in, uh, She's not allowed down here. She's never been down here. You interrupted my class three times to watch me talk to my professor. You know, this is being recorded. You, you're going to be on the podcast now. Well, then people should know how obsessed you are with me. Hi, David. Hi, Lydia. Tell David to stop being such a creeper and not stalk his own wife. Stop this being is a... so disorienting. She's never come down here during a podcast before. <laughs> <Three times. laughs> you get your own uh, place after this. <laughs> Six minutes. Oh no, I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> we put it at the beginning. We apologize for the rude interruption at the <laughs> six-minute mark um, when Chapin is talking about his expertise on the on Shakespeare. Yeah, so I, I know, and and that's the thing. I, I am not an expert. Um, you know, and um, you know, I've seen a, a little bit of Shakespeare. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, it's not easy to see a lot of Shakespeare. And I've tried. I tried to see Ian McKellen in. One of the Richards in um, in uh, 
London, and it's hard, it's hard. It's just hard. They don't do it often. But yeah, Macbeth is close to my heart. I think it's a very simple play to understand. You know, it's not very complex, which I think is good. I think it's a really good play. Um, I think it's like very iconic. You know, I mean, we think of like Hamlet, and you know, it's probably the most famous Shakespeare play. But um, I mean, really, that most of I think Macbeth might be the most influential. Um, I mean, maybe Romeo and Jet, uh, Juliet. I don't know, but it's it's got a lot of like tropes that we recognize, right? Um, and yeah, I was really excited when Joel Cohen, who we don't think of as someone who really directs movies like this, like adaptations of Shakespeare, was 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 thinking of doing it. And then, of course, Denzel playing the lead role. Denzel is a seasoned Shakespeare actor, um, and evidently Francis McDormand has done Lady Macbeth before as well. So, I, yeah, I was very, very excited, extremely excited. This was so, been one of my top, most anticipated films of the year. Okay, interesting. So I was excited, but not for that reason. It was mostly a, I mean, maybe for that reason. It's mostly just like, okay, it's weird even to just say directed by only Joel Cohen. So that is intriguing to me why he just like went off and did this without his brother. Maybe you have some information on that. I don't. Um, But I was curious. I'm always, when these types of movies come out, I'm always curious. I'm like, okay, like why this? Why, why did Cohen decide this was his next movie? And that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm always curious to look at it through that lens because you have a story that's been told before in many different iterations. You know, we were unable to have our conversation about Throne of Blood earlier this year. Um, we intended to podcast about it on one of our Just Deffing Watch challenges. And that's obviously the story of Macbeth as well. And I was curious, and I, I like that movie. And we'll probably get into some of the reasons why as we discuss this one too. But I, unlike you, I I don't think I'm a big fan of the the basically the story of Macbeth. Mm. Like it, like, and maybe that's just because, you know, I've whenever I've seen it, I'm paying more attention to, or the highlight is kind of the filmmaking in a movie like Throne of Blood or in a movie like this. So the story itself almost feels secondary. And almost like I don't want to say rushed, but it's quick. Like it, the you know, the murder happens quickly, the rise happens quickly, the fall happens quickly. Yeah, it's his you know, shortest this, play. This is not a long movie. It's it's yeah, it's not a long play. So it all happens pretty quickly. So you know, I was not particularly excited to be like, oh, Macbeth. Let's see this story again. It was more okay. I I love what the Coens have done with movies. I want to see. What he did, what Joel Cohen did with this, and why he chose this, and I don't know if I got the answer to that second part, but um, I think it's certainly going to be interesting to talk about what he did with this. So, knowing Macbeth a little bit more um, extensively than I do, you know, let's start there. Tell me what you thought of the adaptation, because it's a pretty. I mean, it seems like it's very true to the play. At least that you know it's the actors speak in the Shakespearean language. I think there's some things played with, I'm sure, but yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's really what's always interesting about, um, <clears throat> you know, modern adapt of Shakespeare in general, but you know, adaptations when, when we did it in high school, you know, we did kind of like a, you know, we did the play, but it was, we were sort of dressed in modern clothing. Like we were, you know, we had like leather jackets and, and stuff like that. And, and it, there were like TVs on the set. It was, it was kind of cool. Like kind of like a Baz Luhrmann 
production. Yeah, something Macbeth. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, you know, that's all. But that's that's where the directing comes in, and that's where the interest to adapt something comes in. Is like, oh, how do we do this differently? Like, mm-hmm. especially Macbeth, Hamlet, the big ones. They've been done, I mean, dozens of times on on film, right? Like, yeah. And and um, you know, there was one done just a couple of years ago with, as you mentioned, Michael Fassbender, which I watched right, and was right. really really cool. Um, was it good? Because it didn't get great reviews. It did actually. Really, I was looking at it. I think it did. Um, I mean, I I didn't, I didn't finish it again, but I I really enjoyed, <laughs> really enjoyed what I saw. It was really coolly coolly filmed. Um, but. Oh, 71 on Metacritic. Yeah, that's not bad. Marion Cotillard. So, like, how do we make this interesting? And I I feel like, you know, so basically, for those who haven't seen it, this movie is filmed all in a soundstage. And it's filmed in a very, I don't know how you would describe it, like, almost... um, very minimalistic, minimalistic, expressionistic, expressionistic yeah. yeah, like almost um, like German expressionist filmmaking, like like um, you know, Metropolis or something like that, mm-hmm. like a lot, like very obviously sets. You know, nothing's made to look realistic. Everything is made to look sort of unrealistic. Um, there's no sort of verisimilitude in in this movie at all. Which is um, interesting because there's a lot of things like like that that I found similar to Throne of Blood. Like Throne of Blood, there's some bigger set pieces, but it's also like there's very noticeable stages, like not a lot of set decoration on the periphery. Like it's very minimalistic in the same way, which I thought was an interesting comparison. Yes. And, and I mean, I think throne of blood is incredible. That's why I put it. That's why I wanted us to look at it. And it's got these huge sets. And what's interesting is, is I read, I remember reading about it and you know, there's the fame, you know, the line Burnham would come to Dunsinane. So basically, you know the the witches say, you know you're you're gonna be king until this forest moves from one place to the other. And of course, what they do is the 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 army who's trying to defeat Macbeth, you know, chop down some trees and camouflage themselves with it. And that always, you know, looks like on stage, you know, people carrying twigs yeah. in front of their face. It looks kind of silly. And I it was sort of a, an exaggerated version of that in. In this adaptation, but in in Throne of Blood, they have these just like billowing, waving bamboo. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, this is an extraordinary visual, which of course you you is not surprising coming from Kurosawa. Um, but that's a great example of like yeah. So it's like, how are we gonna do this? We're we know that like this guy is tricked into believing that he'll never be dethroned, but we have to like have this menacing. Um, visual of a of a forest moving. Um, how are we going to do that? And I think Kurosawa did it brilliantly. Joel Cohen maybe not so, but you know that's the style he was going for. And the whole movie is this like set and these you know high contrast lighting and it's shot in black and white. And um, yeah, I thought it was very interesting. I you know I don't know. I don't know. It's uh. I, I mean, I had a blast watching it, and it was hmm. a lot of fun. But um, yeah, like I, I am a little bit of a philistine. I, I feel a little embarrassed to say, as I studied acting and plays and for quite a while in school. But like, I, I don't love 
Shakespeare's language, you know, like I'm not, right. I, I'm, I'm not quite as attuned to it as people who have studied it more. And, um, I love this play. I love a lot of the lines in this play, but yeah, like it's, it's, um, you know, it's not like, you know, you just mentioned Baz Luhrmann. I mean, he, he did Romeo and Juliet in 1996, which was a transformative movie of that generation. Um, I think it's a fantastic movie and it like touched me in a way. And I'm sure it touched many, many people my age at that time. And, and, you know, reinvented that play for, for a new generation. And I don't think that this movie did that for Macbeth. I don't know that it was trying to, um, but I I, don't think so. I think it, it, I think that sometimes and perhaps unfairly, I look for movies to do that, like to, you know, show me, show me what I should appreciate about Shakespeare now, you know? And, that Romeo and Juliet adaptation was so modern and so, um, you know, culturally influenced and, uh, that, that it really like spoke to a generation that probably had very little appreciation for Shakespeare. And now, um, I think that story lives in people's hearts in a, in a, in a different way, but yeah, like, like I, Macbeth is not, that's not that kind of play. Uh, it's also, it's also, you know, it's, a it's, I think it's a hard one to adapt. I mean, there is a there is a curse as we. I don't know if you know about this, but you're not supposed to say Macbeth in a movie theater yeah, in a theater, that, yeah. you know. And so you, we call it the Scottish play. And so yeah, it's a hard one to adapt, you know. I um. I I think Cohen takes it takes the onus on himself by deciding to adapt this. The expectation is going to be anytime you're adapting something that's been adapted before that you are going to bring something to it that we haven't seen before. Now, that can be a number of different things. That doesn't necessarily have to be something like what Baz Luhrmann did with Romeo and Juliet. And I think we have this unfair expectation of something like that, that where a modern filmmaker with modern actors in the modern day is making a movie based on Macbeth or called Macbeth, we expect there to be some sort of modernism to it. And I don't know that there is, especially not in the storytelling. Now, I did not really have a blast watching this. You know, like you, this is this is a challenging movie to absorb. You know, I underst- I had the subtitles on, of course, but I probably retained 70% of what was said. I know the story well enough that I was able to know what happened start to finish, but I think if you never heard the story of Macbeth, you'd really struggle with this movie. Um, <laughs> so I, I didn't... I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed watching this. Now, I I don't right. think that this is going to make one of my favorite movies of the year, but you know, I'll it'll it, we'll have to wait and see how it all shakes out. But this is this is one of at least two, maybe even three movies. Just as I look at my kind of collection that I've seen, that could potentially get a best director nod without making my top ten of the year. Which would be kind of crazy. Can, do you mind revealing some of the others? I, I'd rather not yet. Right. I think I want to save that for the fixies. Um, but this is just—it's incredibly well directed. Like it's—it's it's such a visionary example of of Cohen's talents, and it's beautifully shot. It's like masterfully staged, and it is clearly a vision. Like you can see that he knew exactly what he wanted to do. And it may not have been what I wanted him to do with his next movie, but I don't know how you can discredit anything that he does in this. 
even if it's not a movie that I really loved. So, okay, well then you need to go into that a little bit more. You didn't I just, you didn't enjoy it, but you love I mean, I cuz I I I appreciate it cuz I've had the same thought, but um I just think it's it's challenging watch. I've mentioned that I I'm not sure I love the story of Macbeth and it's it's not a I don't think that this movie is entertaining. Mm. But I do think that it is incredibly well made and very new and very unique in the way that it is made. So when I say Cohen takes it upon himself to bring something new, he did. I'm not sure we've ever, we've definitely never discussed a movie like this. I don't think we've ever really even seen a movie quite like what he does with this. So on that hand, from a filmmaking perspective, this is this movie is, is sort of a marvel, but it's definitely not a favorite of mine hmm. and it's definitely not a favorite Cohen movie of mine and definitely not a favorite of the year of mine it goes back to I mean it's interesting because you know we have this platform to hold direct I feel like you know A.O. Scott or people who review movies for a living you know like they have to they have to sort of consider movies on a movie by movie basis right so but in reality like what we can do is we can look at a movie and we can look at our favorite directors and we can say, yeah, this is, this is an interesting choice career wise. Like Mm -hmm. this is, there's, you know, there's comedy in every Cohen movie. There's no comedy in this movie. I don't think, I mean, maybe there was a few bits that were, I mean, you have some like, you know, I thought he was really good in a small role, the kind of like blubbering Steven Root scene. Oh, right. That's like not exactly (laughs) funny, but like he's kind of, he like, he pulls off that scene really well. I liked his, little quick performance, but I don't think that not in the way that like, I mean, not every, I mean, there's no comedy. There's no comedy in no country for old men. No, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) yeah, I know what you mean though. That kind of, that Cohen wit is not here. Right. So, um, I guess the, my, and so we can look at that and we can say, Hey, um, you know, this is unusual for, for him and, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always jive with what they've done before, but really, you know, can you, I, so I, I like that you brought that up, but can you evaluate it on its own? Should we evaluate it on its own? You know, I was excited because it was Joel Cohen doing it, but like, it was that a letdown or what? Um, and I agree with you. It's brilliantly directed, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to enjoy this stuff. Like, I mean, the language is really, um, hard to get through you know it is it's challenging and you're not going to unless you're a you know someone who's read shakespeare and spent a lot of time with it you're not going to follow it you're not going to follow every word no it's impossible i mean i I was in this play and read it over and over and memorized passages from it and i don't didn't you know it was hard for me to interpret it and that also and we can i mean we can talk about it now but that also made I you know obviously Denzel Washington's getting a lot of hype for his performance well, here. He's probably going to be nominated Washington, for an Oscar. One of my favorites. He's a brilliant actor. Um, you know, and obviously he's my favorite living actor right. now. It was Mr. <laughs> Sidney Poitier. Um, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. It's hard to appreciate the performances in this case. Like I actually I. He's good. I, he had some really good scenes, but I didn't love Denzel in this, nor did I love Francis McDormand. I liked 
like I said, I liked Steven Root. I really liked uh, Harry Melling in this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those were all small parts, like almost too small to even be considered for, as supporting roles. But it's very hard to... It's similar to like when you're watching a foreign film. Like it, it might take a second viewing or something for you to really appreciate a performance because you're spending so much time either reading subtitles or trying to follow what they're saying that you're not paying attention to the nuance. And also acting out Shakespeare, are, there's different types of nuances than what we're used to in regular acting. So I, don't, I might just not be seasoned in, in critiquing this type of uh, production. But I can critique the cinematography and the direction and the set design and art direction and all all the things that were done yeah, in that regard. But like, you know, this has been a, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's interesting because this has been a tough year, a tough couple of years for us and for, for the world. <laughs> and, you know, we could use a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, not this one. And not this one. And yeah. so it's interesting. I mean, like, <clears throat> you know, like, we, we can take... <clears throat> like, we, can, we can, you know... I all would, we're asking for is an intolerable cruelty. Like, that's all we wanted. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> The Lady Killers. The Lady Killers. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. But yeah, like, <clears throat> I mean, I think I definitely think this movie... You know, you and I tried to rank yeah. Coen Brother we movies that well. one time. We didn't do oh, a good sorry. job. Um, but... You know, this would be in the middle for me. I think there's definitely worse ones. Sure, of course. Um, but, yeah, like, I wish we got something, you know... You know, the Coen, the Coens are a little bit like Woody Allen, right? Like, like, like. sometimes they make incredibly moving and, 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 and movies that are... Like, I mean, The Big Lebowski and No Country for Old Men and Fargo are, are probably in my top... Are All three of those are in my top 25. Sure. The Big Lebowski and No Country for Old Men could be in my top ten. Like if you said if you you know. Oh, that's interesting. I think Fargo's my favorite of their movies. Yeah, well we talked about that. Yeah. And um, our brilliant our brilliant rankings. And our brilliant rankings, which we were we wanted we wanted Jeremy to could forever deny, and he never did. Yeah. So um <clears throat> probably has he even ever seen a Coen Brothers movie? No. Um but yeah, like so so I, I think on this podcast, you and I and Jeremy can hold our favorite directors to a higher standard than your 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 newspaper critic. You know, they have to look at the movie, but we can say, you guys can do better. We need something good from you now. And it's going to be yeah. another two years at least until we get something from them. Yeah. And that's, I think, where, where my opening question comes from, where you and, you know, you were excited that it was Macbeth. But I was like, and for some reason... I have in my head that we only have a, like a finite number of opportunities from each of these directors. And I think it probably stems from Quentin, right? Where it's like, he's, he says he's only got one movie left or whatever. <laughs> and we'll see, maybe that's true. So like the stakes are really high with that next one, but it's also, you know, there's budgetary things and Fincher went away for six years before he made another movie. And like these guys, these directors that we love, it seems harder and harder for them to make, the the movies that they want to make. I mean, we haven't heard from Michael Mann in years. And so whenever one of these directors releases a movie, it's such an event for me. It's such an important milestone 
that it needs to be to a certain extent what I want. Right? It needs and so when I say ah Joe it's almost like if everybody has 10 movies to make in their career and and Joe Cohen picks this as one of them. I'm like, "No, don't pick that one. Pick pick something else for one of your 10." Yeah. And that's a little bit what this felt like. And it's not true, you know, he's going to keep making movies, of course, but I just think it's very difficult for me to fully appreciate this movie when, you know, one of my favorite directors is doing something that I don't know is fully suited for his talents. And that's not to say he did a bad job adapting Shakespeare. That's, this is just not what I've seen him be best at. Well, it's, it's interesting because because of what you said. Like, it's it's a, such a competent directing Right. It's it's beautiful cinematography by Bruno Dubonnel, who shot the um who shot uh Inside Llewellyn Davis and um Buster Scruggs. Buster Scruggs. And it's incredibly I, I think it's well very well acted. I think both the leads are, are very good. I think Denzel is quite good. Um the set design is amazing. Just the overall mise en scène of the movie is is remarkable but it's like to what end you know and like like again i think a director of this caliber you can expect him to to you can expect that that person will redefine you not redefine that's that's a that's i think that is asking too much but do what baz Luhrmann did in romeo and juliet like like do something enough with it that it that it is memorable and lasts and you know, reawakens what appeals to us about Shakespeare for four or 500 years again. Right. And that's what I think it's like, it's fair and unfair to, to give that criticism because, you know, he, you know, obviously he's married to Francis McDormand, who's played Lady Macbeth. Maybe they just wanted to make Macbeth and like, I'm sure they you know, did I mean, perform Shakespeare and, and that's totally fine and and fair and in terms of doing something unique he did like this is shot better than probably any Shakespeare Shakespearean adaptation I've ever seen and just kind of the 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 vision that he has for this movie is is wholly unique but in terms of of exactly what you're saying, which I agree. Like, and it's, I guess it's a little, the the part that's unfair is to compare it to what Baz Luhrmann did, because we're not necessarily asking for a modern day Macbeth directed by Joel Cohen. That sounds like it might be pretty cool, but there's, it felt like he didn't do anything to me. It felt like he didn't do anything new with the story. And I think that's kind of what I was expecting and hoping, especially with casting Denzel Washington as Macbeth. That seems like a, you know, unique casting choice there. Not just because he's black, but also because he's older than I think Macbeth is supposed to be. Um, If I'm not wrong, like, isn't... Because it's supposed to be, like, a story of ambition, right? Like, he's wants to... I think the age is, yeah, that's a big factor. And and that's also something about, like, that I... uh, Kind of the... From what I understand and what I liked about Throne of Blood is... But what I missed here is that Frances McDormand like just didn't seem crazy enough to me. Like I always picture Lady Macbeth as just like a whack job that like this obsessed, overly ambitious 
nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's not how, maybe I've just interpreted it wrong all the time, but that was not there with McDormand's performance. And again, maybe it's lost in that Shakespearean translation, but I guess when all is said and done, the, the Macbeth part of this didn't work for me. Pass. The filmmaking of this, A+. Plus. Okay. Is it, to put it in simplest terms. But it's still, you know, it, the question remains, like, why, why this, aside from just wanting to do Shakespeare? Which I know that's a big deal for, you know, actors and, you know, like yourself. So you're saying he should have cast me instead of Denzel? I'm not saying he should have. What I'm saying is that are we sure Denzel was his first choice? You mean because I was unavailable? You well, you have the pod, the podcast, I have the podcast, the young daughter. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. No I, one, we, no one can know I for can't, sure. I can't. I cannot confirm or deny that I received a call. 18 months ago from Joel Cohen begging me to do Macbeth. Yeah, not to mention it's the pandemic, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I haven't been on a plane since 2000. Our Vegas trip will be my first time being on a plane since the since the pandemic. I was on one to visit you. That was my only time. Love it. All right. Any other thoughts on the tragedy of Macbeth? It's kind of a short conversation, but I, I don't know. I don't want to keep circling the same point. I think this is a marvelous, marvelously made movie. And I don't. I'm not spoiling anything to say that it does have some fixie contenders amongst it, but it. It. I do not think it'll end up on my best picture list, which is interesting. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, it might make mine. I don't know. I don't want to tell say too soon, but yeah, I'd be interested in Jeremy's point of view. Um. Yeah. I. I don't know. I. I. I think a. I think a movie just needs to do more. I think I think I, I think there's a, a lot of there is a lot of scrutiny come fixie season on these films, and um, I I think uh, I think it's a it's a very good point. Not, not to interrupt you, but I so uh, I just finished watching this movie Hope, okay, which is a um, Norwegian film that stars Stellan Skarsgård. It's a 90 on Metacritic. I know it's supposedly going to be. It's you know it's submitted um, as Norway's um, candidate for best international feature. And the movie's really good, but I left it thinking, why make this? Why make this movie? Why? Why? What made you think that? Like it just sort of didn't do much. Yeah, I mean, it's a, so it's a movie about a a woman that gets a, a a terminal cancer diagnosis right around Christmas time. It spans about five days, and it's kind of the you know, navigating that situation, um, you know, her doctor's appointments, her surgeries, dealing with breaking the news to family and friends. And, and th- you know, there's some powerful moments and there's some good scenes and there's some, you know, especially the lead actress is quite good in it. But, I'm, you know, why why make this? Like, what what is this movie trying to say? That this happens? That people get sick? And I know there's more to it. You know, it's it, it tries to ha- have, like, kind of a positive outlook on things and... There are some nice themes within, but I did just kind of leave thinking, like, why make a movie like this? Mm. And this is not apples to apples, but I had a similar reaction to The Tragedy of Macbeth. It's like, okay, this is fixie season. I'm looking for these movies to check a lot of boxes. And one of them is has to be, like, 
why did my one of my favorite directors decide to make this movie? What did I gain from it as an audience member? And that's hard to answer with, with Macbeth here. Because hmm. it can't just be that he wanted to show off his filmmaking. I've seen that in all his movies. So I think that's an interesting point. What are you, what are you drinking there, Lee? Uh, I got a glass of Bordeaux. Well, not anymore. It's gone. Um, how is your progress going, mo- more, most importantly, on choosing wines for our Vegas trip? Yeah. Um, I'm struggling with the champagne. Mm. Um, I do believe that I have some wines picked out for our dinner, though. Um, so you'll check so, a bag? Yeah, I'm going to have to. Because I'm going to have all my mics and stuff, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, we... Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that's that. That was your takeaway. <laughs> well, how's it coming with the wine? Well, I picked out two, so you're gonna check a bag, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll walk us through it a little bit. Walk us through the wines. Yeah. Well, the one one wine I know for sure. I'm gonna get a a moon a moon chai cab from Napa Valley. That's that's probably my favorite winery. One of, one of my favorite wines. Um, and love to enjoy that with you guys. And I was thinking of Bordeaux, maybe like a. 2012 or 2014 Bordeaux, something that's drinking really nicely. Although we could probably, if I can find something reasonable, I could do like an 09 or 2010 because that'll go really nicely with the dinner we're having. But I've been thinking about it. Good. And then champagne, we'll see. I'm trying to find something, you know, good value, but... You don't want to just do like a, like a, you know, the classics. That's what I was thinking of with not going too crazy with the champagne. Just get something good. Okay, well, I can maybe handle that. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, so I saw I saw Red Rocket. I really yeah, enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I've never seen... I don't know that I've seen any of Sean Baker's films. Um, yeah, I only know of the Florida Project. And, tang- and Tangerine, which was shot on an iPhone. Um, yeah, it was kind of a delightful little movie. A little long at over two hours. But, um, yeah, he... It was it was it was a strange kind of um you know l- look at middle America, Texas and you know the lower the lower class and you know people struggling and um you know like I I I loved his performance. Uh you know the movie is just sort of surround, you know, centered on him and uh yeah, I mean, there's not like a tremendous amount of depth to this film, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just, it's just like a very, it's just, it's yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how like to, the opposite of tragedy of Macbeth. It's just enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, kind of is. I mean, there's some weird moments, um, and you know, he's like essentially dating a 17 year old, and he's like in his mid 40s, and he's a porn star, and. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's just like this character who always statutory, gets into statutory uh, rape is a theme this year. Yeah, we've just I think they've just like been like you know it's a pandemic. Yeah. We're not we're not going to press charges. On we're not judging anybody anymore. anymore. Uh, but yeah, like uh, it's yeah, it was a it was it was very it's a very interesting movie and um, fun and lighthearted, but also sort of like you know like a like a look into real life and yeah um but in a very fun way is this something jeremy and i should see there might be a couple there might be one or two 
Vixie considerations in there. It's not playing around here, so we'll have to... I mean, I can't imagine it's not going to come out on... I mean, this is a movie that needs to be come out on digital. Who do you guys think? You're kidding. I know. It's nuts. Um, so, I... Well, since we we don't end up with a lot of opportunity to talk about them, I, I, I did watch two documentaries recently. Yeah? Um, I watched Attica. Okay. Which was just great. I mean, that's just such a... I mean, that's, a, that's proof that if you've got a good subject, your documentary is going to work. Um, that's about the, the riots at Attica prison and it's fascinating, amazing footage, um, really, really compelling, earnest interviews with, you know, inmates that were there, um, people that were involved, reporters, just a fascinating look. I knew the story of Attica, but you, I just don't, I don't think you really understand it till you see this, um, and see some of this footage. So really fascinating documentary that's on prime and i watched the rescue which is the um new documentary from the directors of free solo okay and that's the one about the um rescue efforts in thailand to save the youth soccer team that was trapped in the cave that was flooded in 2018 Mm. also another story that i was familiar with but not really all the details and again just kind of uh truly captivating and awe-inspiring story. Um, again, we don't talk about documentaries a lot. You've very astutely pointed out that there it's just it's a different type of movie. They're, you can't critique them in the same way, so I won't go on and on, but I'd recommend both of those to everybody. Um, the Rescue's on Disney+. Plus. Um, and A Hero. I, you guys definitely need to check that out. That's new from, from Asghar Farhadi. Okay. Um, also on Prime, excellent film. And that's a that counts as fixie stuff, right? Yep, it came out this month. Um, Asghar Farhadi did. Uh, so he's won the separation and yeah, and the salesman, which I think both won best foreign language film. Um, at the Oscars, I've seen a separation. I haven't seen the other one. Separation is good. Um. So that's where we're at. We've got 29 days until the Fixies. Fuck. Um, just taking a look at our list here. Chapin, I'm going to go ahead and check off Tragedy of Macbeth for you here. Oh, I don't like it when you check it off for me. Well, I ha- Okay, then you can check it off, but I, I needed to, the number to tick down. You have 15 must-sees left Wait, on here. Where, now, how do I see that? Hold on. It's the oh for fuck's sake! I do, and I I do want to extend. Uh, I I wish our audience. I mean, do, would you ever make this public to people? It's it's it is a robust and extraordinarily complex and beautiful spreadsheet for those who appreciate spreadsheets. It's so anybody who does a, appreciate spreadsheets knows how much that compliment means to me. It's extraordinary. I mean, it's color coded. The I mean, you scroll down the meta scores. And it's color coded, like just it goes, but like very subtly. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm on here every day, just changing the background color, <laughs> one at a time. <gasps> okay, hold on. Where's the track? <laughs> I like how that's what you're so obsessed with. Not that when you check stuff off, things change all over the spreadsheet. Well, no, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's all of it is extraordinary. Where is the tragedy of Macbeth? It's a one, two, three, four, five, row 11, fifth round. Got it, okay. Um, So you've got 15 must-sees left. Now, a couple of these aren't, like, necessarily 
must-sees. Um, now, how do I... Oh, the greens are must-sees. Okay, I got it. Yeah, but, we, you know, we talk about these. Like, Hope... So, so, like, so West Side Story is a must-see. Jeremy determined that? Well, that I had it as a must... Basically, the must-sees are, are gauged by Metascore. Okay. Um. So, I don't know. I, it just occurred to me that is this still... Are we... Should we... Anybody interested in this? Should we still be recording this? I don't know. I don't care. Talking about a spreadsheet, <laughs> reviewing spreadsheets now. Um. Anyway, this is all to say that we've got some must-see movies left. Uh, that we should have no trouble seeing before the fixies, based on when these movies are going to be available streaming or are in theaters near us. Uh, and we intend to see as many as possible, as always, in time for the seventh annual fixies on February twenty-fifth. We're very excited about that. I, I got one for you, from I Las Vegas. For you, Leon, maybe I, I know I'm always asked by people like, oh, what are you doing next? And can we watch it? And we don't always know that, but why don't, you know, I'm curious if now I, if I wanted to watch something tonight, that was key for me to watch. What would I, what would I watch? Uh, let's see what else you have. In it. Um, I mean, my first instinct was to say a hero because you liked it. I really liked it and it's fresh. And the thing is that like Belfast and come on, come on, Wait a little longer, and those will be on regular VOD. Okay. Um, save yourself some money. Tick, tick, boom. I, I I know you're not real excited to see that, but I think you absolutely have to. Okay, I'll do that. Um, so that's another one. I would say a hero and tick, tick, boom are probably the two on the top of your list right now. Okay. Um, and yeah, I would encourage everybody else to check those movies out, especially those are both on heroes on Prime. Tick, tick, boom is on Netflix. Easy for you to watch. Uh, the documentaries I recommended are on Prime and Disney Plus. A lot of these movies are on. Maybe we could release like a partial part of this so people can see the movies we're watching along with where they're streaming. Keep the check boxes off. I don't want people to see all my work. This is some of this is top secret. Wow. But would anybody look at it? People don't email us, so I assume they're not on the internet. Oh, I know a couple people who would love this. Oh, how would we know? Because they don't email us or call in and send voice. It's a good. Qu- it's a good point. We. Um, yes, I, we we're, know we're not going to allow you to listen anymore. If you don't participate, we know, we know you're listening and we want you, <laughs> you to, mother, you're you, fucking mutts. You, you <laughs> fucking mutts. We know you're listening. <laughs> so we want you to send us a voice memo. What was your favorite movie of this year? What was the best thing you saw this year? Tell us something, tell us anything and send us a voice, voice memo from your phone and you will be featured on this podcast. We want you yeah, to, we've s- got to. We've got a list of over 100 movies here. I know you guys saw one of them. Or what you didn't like. I've already, yeah, I know it. I've got one in the chamber. I've, I've convinced somebody to do one. Lee, you need to reach out to some people. But, but friends, we know you're listening. So please send us your favorite or your will. Any thoughts on this year's movies? And we'll play them. We'll play them during. You know what I'd also love is, is people's thoughts on our discussions on theaters versus streaming. I'd like to hear more. Yeah. Do you like going that. to the theater? If if the theaters just disappeared tomorrow, would you be okay with it? Or do you enjoy the theatrical experience? Or do you want to execute people in the movie theater like me? <laughs> and or do do you execute people in the theater like me? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's gonna do it. You've got your homework. Thank you for listening. You can email us at feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Feedback at GYFF podcast.com thank you for listening I'm staying I'm staying
finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. <clears throat> <clears throat> Feels a little bit like uh, <clears throat> doing this podcast every week. 